Welcome, everyone, into this semi-special, uniquely live episode of Hammerlock Hangover. This is a semi-solo show featuring myself, Evil Dose, Jeff Lippman, and just remember, live is only evil backwards, featuring Jimmy T of the PWC. Thank you, Jimmy, for making this happen. Thank you. I'm actually quite excited. This is the first for me to appearing on the Hammerlock Hangover. It's true. It's true. And and in a producer and, and co-host and, and featured role. So, folks, this is a beta test, obviously. I've not done a live show before on Hammerlock Hangover or really any of my podcasts. I've been on a couple with uh, Jimmy on, on uh, his network and some of the other cross-pollination networks where we've done live shows and stuff like that. And, and it's fun. And I figured, why not give it a shot? Um figure I should address the elephant in the room or the missing elephant or really more of the missing um, llama. And that is Steve, big daddy cool. Steve's on hiatus. Um, and normally people would say, shit, he's sick of you already. It's only been a year and a half. And normally I would say, yeah, usually it's me. I'm typically the problem. And I may be part of the problem, who knows, but he's also on hiatus from Unpopular Review. So unless this is either a big cover up or we're all part of the problem, uh, he just needed some time off for a mental health break. He's got a lot of things going on. I'm always teasing you about his 72 kids. As it turns out, that was an understatement. He has 720 kids, um, maybe a few extra wives he has to deal with, certainly an extra cat or two. Um, and some other stuff. So we'll see. He's on hiatus. I could lie to you and say he's on assignment, but he's no, he's on a self-imposed uh, week or so vacation and his status is very much week to week. So hopefully he'll come back and you'll enjoy the banter and bickering and Waldorf and Statler old lady arguing that you've, you've come to expect. But right now, no Steve and no WWE markdom. Okay. No markdom at all. This is a no mark zone. This is just a smart zone. So see you, Steve. Let the burial begin. So let me tell you about Steve's bad tricks. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're not. We're not doing any of that. This has been a strange week in wrestling. There's been a lot of stuff, but I have to tell you, until maybe Wednesday, towards the end of Dynamite, the second hour, I really feel like the whole week of wrestling has been like walking in quicksand. I don't know if it's just me or the world, but like all of the shows dragged for me. And they weren't even bad. They just they just went by slowly. And by all the shows, I don't just mean WWE. I don't mean NXT. I'm going back to last week's Rampage. I'm talking about NWA on YouTube, MLW on YouTube, New Japan Strong. I mean, I could have taken a seven-hour nap during that one-hour show, and, 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 and there still would have been more the way I felt about how slowly it was going. Jimmy, is this just me, or did you, do you feel like things were dragging for a while? Well, yeah, I did feel like it was dragging for a while, but as far as this week goes, I felt Dynamite was okay. The rest of the week, eh, not so much, you know what I mean? But uh, I felt like that for a few weeks, actually, Jeff. I don't blame you. Um, you know, when you've been watching as long as I have, and, and you know, and quite frankly, Jimmy too, but I'm considerably older than him, and, and you know, so I've watched longer you accept a much lower bar of wrestling. Let's face it. If you are a wrestling fan and you've watched it for a long time, your threshold for what's good and what isn't, you know, isn't the same as TV. Like anyone who follows me on Facebook knows I'm really persnickety about my TV. Like I'm, I'm like a snob on so many things, but I watch professional wrestling, which is like the least snobbish thing you can possibly be, you know, uh, snobby about. 
And if you are, it's like almost, it's almost an absurdity. It's like a caricature of, of snobbiness to be like a wine snob of, of wrestling, which is why I sort of giggle a little bit at the diehard Ring of Honor fans who are still claiming that, the, you know, there's going to be a grand restart with featuring Pure. Meanwhile, when's the last time you heard Jonathan Gresham's name mentioned by Tony Khan or on AEW? I, you know, probably when they announced Jonathan Gresham was all elite, maybe once he was mentioned in passing since then, had that one match. The end. He's the Ring of Honor champion, folks. Haven't seen, haven't seen him, haven't seen Mercedes Martinez since her match. But I wanted to start with something a little bit semi off the beaten path, but it's got a path, but it's gotten some attention. And that's Will Ospreay. So Will Ospreay, you know, he's been bickering on and off with WWE, mostly with Seth Rollins. And, you know, Seth Rollins went too far and was a jerk and then apologized, said I was a jerk. I shouldn't be bragging about my money. And, and Will Ospreay sort of said he accepted it. And then, then Will Ospreay broke his neck. And then he rehabbed and got all jacked up. So, you know, everyone was very favorable there. You know, everyone's wishing him well and wanting him to come back to wrestling. And he did. So everyone's excited. He formed this faction, Empire, and people are excited about it. And he's wrestling in England and in Japan and doing the thing. Uh, but he's still being Will Ospreay. Um, and every now and then he takes little snips and jabs. Well, this week he decided to say once again to reopen this can of worms. I don't know if it's because he really feels this way or he just craves attention or he needs attention, but he's basically basically saying, WWE guys, you make a lot more money than me. And by the way, take note, that's a confession. They make a lot more money than him. So you people still insist that New Japan and indie wrestling is people make the same amount as WWE. No, they don't. You don't hear, you don't see anybody. You'll never see Dolph Ziggler having a GoFundMe for his funeral. Okay. Um, so, and he said, you guys are not pro wrestlers, you're actors which could have been an interesting debate of sorts, even though it's a little bit silly. I mean, I think people know what he's saying, that, that one thing is more sanitized and homogenized than the other. But, I mean, they do the same job. It's scripted. It's promos. It's stories. One might be staler than the other. One might be fresher. One might have more daredevil moves. But it's the same thing. But he picked a particularly bad week to do it because Will Ospreay, this week it was learned he had a kidney infection. He's just been pulled from Warrior Wrestling because he hasn't been able to wrestle for the last couple of weeks. And listen, it's not it's nothing to joke about. He had 104 fever. And if you're eight and have 104 fever, maybe that's not a big, such a big deal to anyone except your mom. But when you are an adult and have 104 fever, that's borderline hospitalization. So, you know, uh, you know, but that's a bad week for him to be spouting his mouth off. And every time he spouts his mouth off, he seems to get an injury. And by the way, in there, I'm pretty sure he had COVID too as well. So between breaking his neck, COVID probably more than once, and now this kidney infection, maybe he should speak a little bit less like karma's a bitch. But this was, it was a little underscore here or a big underscore, several underscores. When his boys, Jeff Cobb and Great Ocon, I hope I'm saying that right, appeared at the end of Dynamite. And listen, it's cool. Forbidden Door. They they you know they were talking about the IWGP or whatever those titles are on some AW programming. So you knew that something was happening. Of course, it's with the guys who have the Ring of Honor and the AAA championships, not their AEW tag team title. So fine, whatever. That's okay. That you know that that's all right. It's a wrestling story. I, I can point that out because it's it's factual. They're they're leaving them out for now. So they come out. Jeff Cobb is Jeff Cobb. Looks good, looks tough. He's a freaking fire plug. He's like Taz plus four inches and, and you know, 
just I don't know. It looks like looks like he could be the thing from the you know the Fantastic Four, basically carved out of granite, short, stocky, hits all his moves, crisp, badass. A little bit short, but now that we know how short he is, he doesn't appear short anymore. That comes out the great Ocon. Okay, from the neck up, scary look. He's got the bald head with the with the long ponytail thing. He's got the long Fu Manchu beard. It's pointed in two directions. He, he's got scary teeth. Rawr. His body, <laughs> let's face it, he's sort of sort of big, sort of thick as compared to Jeff Cobb, who's about five eight, five nine. But it's it's a soft body, you know. It's it's you know. Let's face it. Yugi Nagura at fifty something has a, has a better physique than Great Okan. But who, you know? Okay, Jeff, we're not body guys. Get with it. Steroids kills people. You, you're living in the eighties, the golden age. They're all dead. What are you talking about? Fine, fair enough. But he missed every goddamn move. So he comes in. They do their version of whatever the three D is or whatever, and. Great Ocon is hitting the ground. Jeff Cobb is still, you know, completely standing vertical with the with the guy on a horizontal base. And then Jeff Cobb has to, you know, fall down again. And then he misses a move on Dax. And then famously, you know, he he tries to apply the claw on Trent Beretta, doesn't apply it. Trent Beretta basically puts himself through the table, or the great Ocon really is great and uses the force to put him through. You saw this, Jimmy, right? I did. Fabulous. So fabulous. So the week that Osprey is talking about WWE guys being actors, his faction, his handpicked guys go on national TV, international TV, and embarrass themselves by showing their actors too, uh, and saved by other actors. So I just wanted to point that out. I know that's not probably anybody else's lead story, but I just found it pretty amusing, you know, on that front. Because, yeah, I am what I am. So Empire, listen, I heard great things about Empire. Not so impressed right now. <laughs> it maybe maybe well, the... go ahead. Well, sorry, Jeff. I just want to say the one good thing about the Empire though is them partying in Vegas. You got to check out <laughs> what's his name, uh, Greta Khan. You got to check out his Instagram page. I'm telling you, he's even getting whipped by chicks. <laughs> I'm telling you now, in Vegas. Wow. I just had to put it out there. Well, good. I'm glad he's enjoying himself. And and he should. And, you know, that's terrific. I'm totally not going to check out his Instagram account, but I, I don't check out anyone. It's, I wish I could delete Instagram from my phone. I, I can't stand it. Um, I mean, like everyone else, I just used it to look at, you know, girls in bikinis. Um, but now it's like I get notifications. All, I, I don't care. I don't care about any of you. I don't even want to see the girls in bikinis. I'm not interested. Uh, just get rid of it. Old man shaking, yelling at clouds. All right. So, Maybe I'm the only podcast in America, at least, that's starting with Will Ospreay and, and no, uh, not at all. the great Ocon. Damn it, I want it to be unique. All right, well, strike one. <laughs> you can keep score about how, how badly I'm doing. Um, on Forbidden Door, which, by the way, I think is going to be pretty cool, they are already tampering expectations on there being these dream matches that everybody wants. Now, they may be dream matches to deep cut and to real fans, but... You know, it's not going to be Okada, Omega, and it's, it's not going to be all top-tier stuff. It's not going to be title versus title. There won't be any title switches, most likely. So, you know, Omega recently was reported he might not be back until the end of 2022 or maybe not even until 2023. So keep our eye on that. Um, but I, I still think it's a really fun show. I don't want to be seem like I'm dissing it. I, I just think that everybody 
should realize that when promotions collaborate, especially the first time, it's usually more of an exhibition show than anything else. And so you shouldn't expect, you know, Brian Danielson going for the uh, open weight championship or something like that, um, unless he's committed to do six tapings for New Japan Strong, which I, I, you know, I, I doubt that he has. And that that's not just limited to Brian Danielson. It's insert, you know, your dream wrestler here. Um, case in point, Noah and Dragon Gate, or maybe it was DDT. I'm not sure which, but one of them was having a collaboration in Japan and it's still ongoing. And I think the booker who was featuring himself in Noah uh, was sort of unceremoniously kicked out because nobody was happy with him. He showed up in DDT. I'm pretty sure it's DDT. Um, and they weren't particularly happy about him either. Uh, and he was there for a few days and then he showed back up in Noah. And so now nobody's happy. The people in Noah aren't happy. And, and apparently he still has sort of control. So, you know, that, that was a collaboration that had a lot of fanfare. Everyone's like, oh, this is, this is cool. This is our own little forbidden door in Japan. And, you know, other people can see it on, you know, whatever streaming services those are available on. And, you know, it's going pretty badly from a booking and talent standpoint from both promotions perspective. So it's tough. It's, it's a delicate dance. I mean, the only long-term success, you know, I guess you can talk about the NWA, which really had a council, but these were independent promotions in an alliance. And I'm sure that wasn't as pretty as we like to make it out to be, but they had to. I mean, this was small businesses, uh, so they had to cooperate with each other. And they sort of agreed to have territories and franchises. But the only sort of long-term successful collaboration was Ring of Honor and New Japan. Um, and, you know, e even that sort of fell apart at some point. Maybe not ironic, well, ironically, but probably not coincidentally when they were having their most success because then egos came into play. Then it's like, well, you know, our, our Bullet Club guys need to look better than your Bullet Club guys. You know, uh, LIJ can't win every match here in America or whatever the case may be. Matt Taven is headlining Madison Square Garden. What a Melvin. Um, so you have, anything, you have anything, but you're more of the New Japan guy than I am. Oh, look, I'm actually excited for the Forbidden Door, obviously, but you're probably right. We're probably not going to get those, you know, dream matches that we're being told is a dream match and everything's a dream match, in particular in AEW. But if Kenny is not going to show up and if he's not going to be available for this pay-per-view, that's tragic, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Because I think him not being able to appear on that would bother him. Yeah. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure it's not cover because he, he can't go to Japan without having his head chopped off. So that, <laughs> yeah, that too, especially yeah. after the Kota Ibushi situation too. Oh, we're going to talk to Kota about Kota Ibushi. There's so many little things that are on the rug. And by the way, I am well aware the double or nothing is on Sunday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about dynamite. We're going to make our predictions, uh, you know, just like everyone else. But to be honest, I don't think the double or nothing card is all that intriguing. I don't know that, that there's all that much that's in doubt. And some of the things that aren't doubt really aren't that interesting. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, but, you know, tease that, we'll get to it. A um, couple of news and notes, sort of WWE-ish. So the brand split, it, I mean, it's been largely artificial for the last two-thirds of a year period. Um, it's getting more and more thin. Their rosters are getting thinner. They come in with sillier excuses to do it. Now they've got unified titles on the, the men's side. They already had only one set of women's tag team championships, which was more than enough. Um, given their focus or lack thereof of tag team wrestling, especially on the women's side. I mean, they're trying to put together this women's tournament is, you know, 
I, I don't know, you know, what they're going to do. Steve and I last week joked about the teams. And of course, my dream finals is the Bella Twins versus Brandy Rhodes and Stephanie McMahon, the chief branding officers coming out on top, of course. And well, that may have to happen because one of the semi-teams that existed was Carmela and Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega just had ab surgery. So she's out for uh, a couple of weeks. So even that not exciting team, but at least titularly is a team with wrestling stories, uh, they're, you know, that, that's one team scratched out, gone, um, that at least we've seen before as a team that were former champions. So, you know, you know, I don't know that anyone cares, but I, you know, I just think that's a little bit funny. So I, I take my little pot shots at New Japan and Will Ospreay and AEW, and I'm taking some at WWE as well. So anyway, they say the brand split is not dead, it, 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 but there's going to be more jumping around and there's going to be more swapping and, you know, based on storylines. They're just recognizing reality now. Does it make sense? I don't know. I mean, to say there's a brand split and it's not really a brand split. Do any of us really care? Doesn't matter if they say there's a brand split or not. If they just give us what they give us on TV. Doesn't matter if the TV is bad. No. Doesn't matter if the TV is good. No. Would we prefer that it's good? Yeah. Would we prefer that it's very good? Sure. So let's focus more on that than the brand split. Um, another fun, you know, not so funny thing, but another sort of sort of loss, but I don't really view it as a loss for WWE is they've moved the money in the bank card that was supposed to be at Allegiant Stadium where they have, I think, 66,000 seating capacity. They were pricing these tickets very expensively. I think they only sold like 16 or 19,000 of them. Um, there are some stories that they were having issues with the venue. I don't believe that. I, I think that that's probably a cover. I think that they were having low ticket sales and they so they moved it to the MGM, which is an indoor arena. I think it seats about 17,000. Everybody who already bet bought a ticket, they're going to be notified. They're going to have the ability to either get a refund or have that credited towards um, new tickets at MGM. And if, I guess if they don't want it, they'll get a, a refund or whatever it is that they get. I'm sure there'll be some, you know, kerfuffle or shenanigans with that. That won't be perfect either. But everyone's sort of looking at, not everyone, but a lot of people looking at it as a fail. I don't think so. I think it's a business recognizing reality and adjusting. They, you know, were getting a little bit too big for their britches and thought that they could sell out, sell out all stadium shows and have all these mega events. And apparently they can't. And Money in the Bank is arguably their number three or four pay-per-view behind WrestleMania, SummerSlam, probably Royal Rumble. I mean, Money in the Bank probably is four now. Would, would you agree? Sort of. I still think Survivor Series is still the number four sort of pay-per-view but money in the bank has grown big time but if if i was wb i'd be truly embarrassed after this little debacle to be honest with you jeff yeah i mean listen they over they overreached or did they is it because the show is underperforming i would argue that their television is underperforming um and it has been for years and it's not getting any better so so yes, they overreach, but which is cause and which is effect. I think that money in the bank is, you know, I've heard other people say Survivor Series is still uh, number four. Whatever, doesn't matter. If it's four or five, they should still be able to sell out a bigger, I mean, maybe they've gone to Las Vegas too much. You know, maybe there were other events there competing with it. I think there's a UFC fight. And listen, there's always shows up and down Las Vegas. So, you know, you can argue that both ways that, yeah, they're competing with something else with the same audience, but I mean, 
isn't Cher competing with Celine Dion? And that doesn't seem to be a problem. So, um, you know, you know, the Las Vegas is there for people to go to shows and you can't go to one show. So you go to another, couldn't get UFC tickets. You go to WWE. So that, that didn't work out. So definitely overreach, but listen, give credit to a business for adjusting. You know, I'm sure they took some financial hit in a deposit or whatever, or maybe they're going to promise a future event. They'll be just fine. Anyway, the stock went up to $66. So, you know, uh, you know, which is not a, the, an annual high, but it's near their 52 week high. And, you know, Back when Steve and I said, yeah, Steve is a stockholder. I don't know how many shares he has. You know, it's probably like six. But um, you know, when you know he talks about the stock price and he would get excited when it was over fifty because I guess he bought it at forty four or something like that. Um, and you know, as badly as I talk about WWE, he once asked me, "What do I think of the stock price?" I said, "I think it's undervalued. I think that you know they're they're they have one more at least one more contract renewal going up." So. You know, I, I, they seem to be doing nothing except making money. And one day the China market's going to open up. I am not a stock genius, but the, the, their stock has gone up 33% since that conversation, which was probably within the last two months on, on this very show. So listen, business makes adjustments. It made the right call here. How they made the wrong call in the first place. Yeah, sometimes you live and learn. So, you know, so I, I don't. I don't think I understand why people think it's embarrassing or why it's a fail. I, I, you know, but it's not irreparable harm. It's more something like an inside IWC ha ha kind of thing. Um, so anyway, so other possible ha ha kind of things, you know, AEW programming st still seems to be bounced around by other stuff going on. So tonight's rampage is going to be at six 30, which is like it's third different time in the last four weeks. Um, sort of a weird time, 6.30, I guess, arguably better than 5.30. I guess there's less people in rush hour, you know, on the East Coast. And maybe, you know, some people, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what 3.30 means on the West Coast on a Friday. Uh, it's a holiday weekend. So a lot of people probably going away on three-day vacations anyway, not sticking around watching TV. The bigger question mark is Sunday. So Tony Khan said he has a plan if game seven is Sunday night, that the main event will not interfere with the hockey game. So I don't know what that means. If he's, if he's going to hold it, if he's got sort of matches in reserve to put on there, I mean, there's a lot of people not on the card. Some are rumored to be banged up, but he's got a roster of 900,000 people. So mm -hmm. he can certainly put uh, things on there. So maybe he's got like three or four lower end matches, but the crowd might be interested in seeing maybe like Jonathan Gresham, uh, you know, on there against, I don't know. It doesn't matter who he puts on. Um, maybe he'll dust off Brian Cage. I, I don't know. What, whatever it is, you know, I, I'm, you know, I assume that's it. But I mean, if you're sitting there in the audience and you've seen all the matches on the card and you're waiting, I don't, however long it takes a half hour, an hour for a hockey game to end um, before the main event goes on. And then you're seeing car matches that weren't even on the card. I think you're probably not so thrilled, especially if you brought kids or your date, if you had a date, I'm a wrestling fan. So, you know, who knows? Anyway, who knows? There might not be a game seven period. So, you know, I'm sure it'll all work out. Um, all right. Other WWE news. Crown Jewel is on November 5th in Saudi Arabia. Q, blood money. People don't understand how blood money works, but, uh, you know, but anyway, um, I mean, I guess, never mind. I'm not even getting into that. It just, it's just old. Whatever it is, the whole thing is old. Just get over it already. Um, 
All right. There's been some fun stuff this week also. I think we've already forgotten where Tony Khan's week began and then where it ended because he had a presser yesterday. So it began with there being some accusations of him paying dirt cheats, which is nothing new. And Ringside News, whether they were hacked or not hacked, went on a binge one day saying that they they bought Wrestling Inc. and that they were trying to buy Ringside News. They were bribing them for between one and three million dollars. To which I say, Ringside News is not worth between one and three million dollars. It's not between one and three hundred thousand dollars. I guarantee if you did a forensic accounting of their profits, they, they never grossed that much in any one year or any three years combined. Nevertheless, if you're going to believe a rumor about someone paying way too much for something that isn't worth very much, I mean, your buyer, you know, if, if Tony Khan's not on your short list of buyers to fit that, I don't know. So I don't know what to believe here, but I, I tend to think that Tony Khan ain't that dumb and doesn't. Listen, if he wanted to get a dirt sheet or a news wrestling site, he could start one. Just don't put Kenny Omega in charge of it. I mean, we've, we've seen where that's going. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one jeff i like it thank you sir jimmy t everyone jimmy t is here from the from the famous <laughs> pwc pwcnetwork.com proud host of the hammerlock hangover garden of doom garden views and numerous other fine and fabulous shows like the skirmish your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast mine too jimmy sometimes has me on he says you want to be on the skirmish and i'm like you know if you need me sure <laughs> but i'd rather listen to it than be on it um, uncaged, uh, uh, car- carnage, uh, just, the blow off, the blow off, smack talk, <laughs> sometimes Monday night, machismo. Right. I mean, yeah. outside interference, one show dedicated to WWE, one show dedicated to AEW, with us trying to give them both action items from which to improve their product. All right. So Tony Khan, haven't forgotten about you, my friend. So, all right. So also this week you have the upfronts. And Discovery, Time Warner, either didn't invite anyone from AEW, told them not to come, said they weren't going to get a whole lot of time in front of advertisers. AEW maybe chose not to send anyone. Maybe they didn't feel like they were getting enough respect. Maybe they were told not to come. You know, maybe they just got upset. I don't know. I know that there was a dynamite that night, but so what? You could still send four wrestlers. Um, Whatever it was. So in the press conference yesterday, Tony Khan made a big deal about at the forum, lots of the Discovery Warner executives are going to be at the event. It's sold out. Whether it was sold out or not, I best believe that Tony Khan bought 6,000 of those tickets to make sure it sold out or whatever it was. Um, And that now he's saying that Discovery is throwing a party for them afterwards. And it really says a lot about the product that they want to get to know us better. Yeah, for, first of all, Discovery's not throwing a party for them. I th- this will never come out. It will never be. Re- I promise you that that either Tony Khan is paying for it, AWLLC, or more likely Ring of Honor acquisition LLC company LLC is paying for it. So that nobody can track it down anywhere, as Dad doesn't get mad at him, and no one from Discovery's going to say anything because, I mean, everybody you know, you know in at the top tier of their profession loves free parties, free food, free booze. No one is ever going to rat anyone on that, out on that. It's it's just the way it was. Even in my little world, even in my little world, when I used to be a semi-big shot, free food, free dinners all the time, free drinks. I, I would never tell you who paid for any, but it's not not happening. Sometimes I even voted on, on who got to pay for it. Um, 
yeah, different story, different day. Not much of a story, to be honest with you. Um, so, all right. So the discovery execs will be at the forum on June 1st. Wow. That is risky because AW doesn't exactly run the cleanest shows and they also tape dark and rampage and parts of elevation during the dynamite taping. Those executives might be in for a six hour night with possibly some amateurish wrestling. There's usually a few injuries. They're not typically reported, but you know, Tony Khan lets things slip when he doesn't want to. Like when someone asks him about women's tag team titles and women's trios, he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to do it. I love our roster. Well, maybe we'll get some people back from injuries. Which people are you talking about? Who, who, who has the injuries? Who, 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 what female wrestlers are injured that, that we haven't seen? I mean, we don't see most of them. We don't see, you know, 15 or 20 of them, which who are allegedly on the roster. Um, so Who's suffering these injuries? I don't know. I mean, he brings on all the, the Japanese wrestlers. Are they gone already? Or, you know, so, you know, just to point out that there are injuries that we never hear about. Um, and sometimes that's why people disappear. Other times it's just they got nothing for them. So so that, that that's our week with Tony Khan until we get to the press conference. Now, I listened to him. I, he didn't sound like he was coked up. He didn't sound crazy. He sounded very measured. So, answered intelligently i think he's largely full of shit but i don't think i don't i don't think he's full of shit in a mean-spirited kind of diabolical way i think he really believes in his product i think he really believes in the ring of honor new japan wrestling style of seven years ago or 10 years ago that that's what the people want and as long as he just keeps doing that and keeps putting his dream matches on there people are going to subscribe to his vision and and join in the fun and, and get on the bandwagon um i understand that i feel the same way about garden of the doom you know and our listenership goes up but not the way i want it to probably the same thing with dynamite um but i'm not changing it because i i love what i'm doing i get it. i understand tony khan but i also didn't invest you know tens of millions of dollars of you know my family's money in into this and then on top of that more of my own money um, I understand he's a very rich man, but people are always saying Tony Khan's a billionaire, a multi-billionaire. No, he's not. I mean, he could be now, but when AW started, Tony Khan's value net worth or gross, yeah, net worth was valued at about $870 million. Nothing to sneeze at. Still not a billion dollars. Um, is it more or less now? I don't know. I don't know what his investments are. His father is a multi-billionaire. His, his net worth was valued at oh, something like eight or nine billion dollars. It's not all liquid. He's got a soccer team. He has an NFL team. You, those things are not easily transferable. They're like cooperatives. Everyone has to agree on the sales process, long closing, but they're certainly things that you can borrow upon forever. There's uh, NFL football. You could be the worst team. In fact, they are. Uh, and still be profitable because of revenue sharing and things like that, and just how popular it is. But they, they also own other things that are fixed. Uh, Prashad Khan owns the Four Seasons in Toronto, which, by the way, Tony Khan said, if we go to uh, Toronto with AEW, we can do some stuff with the Four Seasons. Oh, I want to hear when his father hears about that. You're going to have professional wrestlers at the Four Seasons? Holy, you better be careful as to who you bring there. I mean, you better have your best behaved wrestlers only. Like, like 
I don't mean this in a disparaging way. Like you need to have like Adam Cole and Britt Baker there and maybe Jungle Boy. Like people will just go in their room and play video games. Like you you can't have like any of these old time wrestlers who party and, and drink and like to tear up the place and they'll make a ruckus. Like I don't know too many of these people personally at all, but I have to imagine that that, you know, like Brody King gets down. Like when he's at a bar, he's probably a dangerous guy. And he's not someone that the four seasons cocktail hour, they want to have him at, you know, you know, there with, you know, Tommy N and all the, the tattoos and whatever. You know, I, I just don't see a whole lot of cross-pollination between the it's like my word of the week, cross-pollination. Why is that, Jimmy? Why do I keep saying cross-pollination? <laughs> you tell me. I mean, you've been saying that now for the last few weeks, that's for sure. I know. <laughs> I need to find I need to find something else. I mean, it was clever at first, but now I'm overusing it, which is the definition of not clever. All right. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, listen, Luchasaurus has a PhD and all that. Maybe he might scare some people just physically, but I'm sure he's a lovely gentleman. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are, would be excellently behaved at the Four Seasons. I'm sure that Tony Khan will be foot, foot in the bill for that, so it'll be an open bar, but that's also a very dangerous thing for you know, some of the, some of the old time partiers, I, Jericho. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so just, just be careful. Listen, it's never going to happen. They're, they're not going to see, they're not going to see the four seasons hotel, or he's going to have to rent the entire thing out and get like extra insurance to make his father happy. Um, I don't know. Anyone who doesn't know what the four seasons is, it's, it's like one of the top hotel chains, in the world, like five-star hotels, you know, I'm sure there's private hotels, which are even more exclusive out there in the world. But as far as chains are concerned, there's like the Ritz, the Four Seasons, you know, a, a few others. So, but you know, it probably is like a, like a hand fill. Um, I'm seeing little things. I keep looking over because Jimmy's posting things all over my other computers flashing. Jimmy tested uh, <laughs> this. So, <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm just, I'm just sharing it's... around the show. You know what I'm saying? So no, so people can watch us live. No worries. Yeah. 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 yeah doing I'm my role over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. You're doing great. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad that I'm glad to see it. It's just, I, you know, I'm just, I'm easily distracted folks. I'm squeezing. Sorry, the sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's cool. It's fun. It shows that we're human also. Um, I'm squeezing this during work. I have like a, a strange two hour like slot where I had nothing today. So uh, so this is all all good. We were originally going to do it last night, but there was some miscommunication. I never uh, woke Jimmy up when I was supposed to. So bad on me. Um, all right. So some other stuff out there. Ric Flair still doesn't have an opponent for his match. Keeps saying that he can do it, that he's going to definitely go off the top rope. I'm telling you right now, 50-50, this thing isn't going to happen. That, that nobody's going to be his opponent. And whoever the people will step up to do it, are going to terrify you and it's going to end up being someone like Tommy Dreamer who, you know, as much oh, or Jeff Jarrett, yeah. who are as much attention horses, <laughs> Ric Flair, and maybe, or maybe not can keep, keep them safe. I, I'm not sure about this, but as days go by, I'm starting to think this is going to fall apart, which by the way, it should. I mean, as much as I joke about suicide by wrestling, I don't actually want to see it. Um, just a little part of me does. But remember, live is just evil <laughs> backwards. What do you think, Jimmy? What, what are your thoughts on this one? I'm actually worried for him, to be honest, Jeff. Um, I don't want to see another match from the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. He's a legend. We get it. We all know that. We love him. But please, Rick, stay away from the ring and enjoy retirement. 
Perfect. You said it perfectly. Speaking of other things I'm concerned about, GCW. So people who listen to Hammerlock Hangover regularly know that, you know, I sort of agreed that GCW might have been for a brief moment, the number three promotion in the United States, maybe for a brief moment, or was building some momentum right around when Nick uh, Gage went on AEW. I mean, before that Cardona was, was banging things up. And then I think also Nick Gage being on dynamite than the dominoes thing might've also sort of tipped the scale, not necessarily cause and effect, but it's sort of what might've been starting the, uh, their role down the other side of the bell curve, the descent, so to speak. And we really haven't heard much about GCW. Their shows have been, you know, there hasn't been the excitement, the abuzz. They've been sort of poorly reviewed or not talked about at all, which is even worse. And now we're hearing that Brett Lauderdale might have been giving fake COVID tests um, to talent and, I guess, attendees who went there to GCW shows. Now, these are just allegations right now, um, but I don't even think there have been denials. Uh, I think the, the closest thing to a denial was that there was some statement or posting that they hired an outside third party to do it. Okay, still your agent. Um, and you, I mean, listen, just think from a common sense perspective. You want to get your lawn cut. You call one guy and you say, I'll do it for $200 a week. Do you stop there? No, you call three or four other people and someone says, I'll do it for 220 a week. I'll do it for 175 I'll do it for $75. So unless it's your neighbor's kid for $75, you want to, you probably want to wonder what $75 is about. So unless you're getting lots of referrals from all your neighbors saying they're fantastic, or again, it's, it's my kid. He's trying to, you know, earn extra money, whatever it is. When you get a ridiculously low price, you know, it should tell you something. And I'm pretty sure he got a ridiculously low price. This may come out in litigation. Who knows? I, I don't know. You know, people saying, you know, anyone who got COVID at the shows has, has a great case against them. Maybe not. I mean, first of all, GCW, I'm not sure it's got any assets. I'm not sure event insurance would cover that. I'm not sure what the event insurance limits would be. But also during a pandemic, how do you show that you got it there? I mean, just because there were the, there was fake testing and you relied on that does, that, does that mean you went nowhere else? Does that mean you couldn't have been exposed to it in a million other places? So causation is a problem. So, you know, so let's not, I don't want to get too legalese on you, but the nexus is going to be very hard to prove. And then what are you collecting against? Um, the other bit that got tied into that is some of the talent was complaining about that. You know, they were shocked. And listen, understandably so. They're in very close proximity, breathing heavily, exchanging sweat, maybe blood. Uh, no one really knows. You know, I mean, they say it's airborne, but do, do we really know? Do, has there been enough studies to know that, you know, sweat on sweat can, can carry it? We, I, I don't know that. I'm not saying anything. But I'm sure they're pissed off for a lot of reasons uh, uh, about it. Um but the other thing we learned is that some of them either got paid $25 to $50 or didn't get paid their $25 to $50 uh, because they were paying people like Kevin Nash and Jeff Jarrett, which this is not just like Kevin Nash or Jeff Jarrett. They're probably upset about it as well. But, you know, Kevin Nash has, you know, I come, it's $6,000. That doesn't mean I don't care that you don't pay anyone else. No, he's just saying you pay me $6,000. 
he has every right to assume if he gets paid six thousand dollars that the other wrestlers are negotiating their own rates to their best of ability and whether they're paid twenty five dollars or twenty five hundred dollars that they're being paid too so this is not on kevin cass or nash or jeff jarrett or anyone else who might have been there not mick foley who might have been signing autographs or whatever it's it's irrelevant not about them it's not about the wrestlers who are making 25 or 50 dollars though i think you know people again who think people in the indies make tons of money even what what might have arguably arguably been the number three promotion in the u.s getting 25 or 50 bucks even if they're the low card um that's not a lot of money that's shit especially for the put shit they put themselves in, in gcw but not getting paid and the amounts and not a good look for gcw on every level on every level even from the proletariat that, you know, not supporting the working man. I mean, isn't GCW sort of like the rebel promotion? It's sort of like the ECW, like the common man goes there. Like you'd think they would take care of their people first and then pay the big names with, you know, overage money. Nope. Just like everybody else. Right, Jim? I totally agree with you. And you know, you know what else I get at when I watch GCW? You know what's funny? We, we say on, on my show that, AEW is a cosplay promotion, mm-hmm. but GC, GCW is truly a cosplay promotion. That's what I get out of it every time I watch it. Uh, I've never watched GCW. I only see the clip, so I couldn't say it. Uh, I, I'm not really, you know, that interested in indie wrestling, though. I, I'll, I go to shows here periodically. Like I'll, I'll support my indie wrestling from time to time, but it's, I don't religiously go to the shows i don't search out things on youtube i think i watch enough wrestling um but so i don't know i can't really comment that but i totally believe you though i did see the clip this week where joey janela lit you know had fire on his boot and couldn't put it out so um, oh yeah that was stupid that was dumb and stupid that's typical joey janela though jeff i mean seriously so i hear so i hear so <laughs> i have an interesting little history joey janela i mean first of all i'm a sizer so i don't like you know little wrestlers secondly i never saw joey janela like six or seven years ago but back then in the facebook group i was part of they were talking about joey janela in the same sentence with matt riddle and keith lee like future stars people you have to look up for big time and so i never saw joey janela until aw i'm like what this guy what the (laughs) hell are you talking about this is not a star so People know I went to Full Gear in 19, and I went to StarCast uh, in, in 19 as well. It was November. It was Baltimore. It was the second StarCast, very poorly attended. People have probably heard the story enough, but I don't know if they've heard this one. So one guy came. I was I was helping somebody as, as a vendor. Uh, somebody was a vendor there, uh, you know, and they got me a staff pass. So I had a, you know, all-access staff pass there. So, you know, and... It was slow. Traffic was slow. So sometimes I covered for him. Sometimes he covered for me. You know, we we both did our own thing at times. So but there was one customer who just chatted with us for a while because there wasn't much to do. Typical, you know, wrestling fan, nice guy, somebody who, you know, probably spent a lot of his money going from show to show, um, knew some of the wrestlers. They either recognized them or pretended to recognize them, but obviously did the circuit. This this is part of his life. You know, he goes to every conference. He goes to every convention. Cool. Very nice, very um, congenial fella. Anyway, the point of this is that later on, I went to the bar. There were two people at the bar, me and the same guy. So we got to talking. And this was not like a small bar. This was probably, I'd say, a 15-foot long bar. Again, the only two people that were, he and I, 
the bartender. Now behind us was where the tables set up. Um, so directly behind us, uh, Trent Beretta uh, was hanging out in skinny jeans, Orange Cassidy hanging out in skinny jeans, all playing on their phones. Jimmy Havoc there in skinny leather pants playing on his phone. Um, SCU was a table over. They were still SCU at the time. Uh, Penta and Phoenix were the sort of the main attraction. They were at the table. There was square against the horizontal war, wall with the biggest line. Um, Penelope Ford was there. Uh, Britt Baker, I think, was still there. By the way, Penelope Ford is an exquisite woman in person. And Britt Baker is really better looking in person than she is on TV, which it's, it's usually sort of the, the reverse. Um, anyway, not the important part. So who else was there? Joey Janela. Now it's November 9th, but we're indoors. So he's wearing some oversized ski jacket, but like almost like uh, like tag with graffiti, uh, like tie dye kind of kind of thing with his hood on and his hair sticking out of each side and skinny jeans too. And even with all this, with his hood on and all the hair, he's still several inches shorter than me. I'm 5'10", people. I, no flex. I'm exactly 5'10", which I think in the world is about average, you know, or maybe two inches over average, whatever. Not important. No one's going to look at me and go, whoa, that guy is tall. Um, and... So he, and he's also dainty. So he walks from behind me and like, you know, does one of those shoulder bumps from behind me uh, on the bar. There's no one between he and I, there's no one else at the bar between me and the guy who's on my other side. So right there, I'm like, what a jerk. And then he's standing right next to me, like in my space, like, like his jacket is actually making physical contact with me, like a complete invasion of my personal space for no reason. Like, I'm not like this. You're at a crowded bar. I get it. We've all been there. There's no one else there. And he's not there. He's not moving. I'm so looking. I'm turning. He's not moving. Like, obviously, he wants attention. He wants me to go, hey, what's up, Joey Janelle? You're Joey Janelle, right? Like, I don't give a fuck. I, I, I. So, so I decided I didn't like him. Okay. So then I start chasing him on Twitter and stuff like that. I'm being evil dose. I'm being a jerk. I'm, I'm like, you know, trying to hit him with this. We get into squabbles. He calls my fiance a mail order bride. It's, you know, it, it, it's, oh, I'm pissed off about that. I've never heard that before. Oh, you know, you, you think I'm so rich I can hire a mail order bride or you, or you think I'm too ugly for her. Both are compliments. Thank you. <laughs> he comes back. That doesn't bother him either. And then, like, I'll see him in someplace else. I go, I remember you. You're the guy with the mail order bride. I was like, you fucking dick. I'm like, well, at least I have a girl. The, the last woman you were with, you turned into a lesbian. And, and then, and then, he, then, he, then he says to me, he goes something like, he goes, eh, easy come, easy go, on to the, on to the next LOL. And at that point, I'm like, fuck, respect. I, that's, <laughs> that that was the last dart I had. That was it. That was the last bullet I had in my chamber. And he just wrote. I can't hurt him. I, so I'm not going to try. Now I love him. Um, <laughs> but now I don't. Funny. <laughs> Is he still doing the same shit? And it, it's still, but he's making a living, but apparently his other people aren't. So I'll just say, Jeff, so, so he recognized you from that night, even in the bar? No, no. He recognized, and he recognized you from, from Twitter. Media. Sorry. Yeah. He recognized okay. me from social media, Facebook group and, and then Twitter. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not wow. me. He recognized I mean, La Sicaria is, is pretty distinctive looking, and and it's she's true. substantially better looking than me. I mean, it, it, it's it's very reasonable for someone to think that that that, that I'm either very rich 
and that's why she's attracted to me or that I imported her and, and paid the price for it. Neither of those things are correct. Um, <laughs> you know, and at least half of that equation, very unfortunately, incorrect. Um, but <laughs> that's brilliant. anyway, so I was like, you yeah. know, so anyway, I, I don't I'll fight with them anymore, but yeah, if that's typical Janela, I mean, you know. What well, what, what got me about that story is the fact that he was standing there actually trying to get attention. Unbelievable. It was so weird. And no one's going to believe me. All I can tell you, it, it was empty. There was they, they weren't even lines. for When I was at the vendor section, Kerry, um, not Kerry, Ricky Morton came up to our table, sat down, shook hands and talked. And he was lovely. But he was only doing that because he was bored. The people weren't coming over to pay him for autographs and things like that. I mean, you know, like he wasn't just wandering around to like stretch his legs. He came down, he, you know, he shook everyone's hand. He sat. I mean, I'm not saying we just talked. He he stayed there for about 30 or 40 minutes. And again, he's lovely, a lovely gentleman, interesting, kind. He wasn't just telling war stories about himself. He was like asking about you. What do you do? What are you doing here? You know? Nice guy, obviously very at home talking to people and not being like weird about just like sticking to wrestling and stuff like that. Lovely guy. I'm just the, the whole point is let's say this was not a crowded venue, uh, and you know people people were bored so bored that legends like half of the Rock and Roll Express were wandering around talking to random vendors. Um, wow, that's crazy. Right. It is a little crazy. All right, so let's gonna jump around a little bit more to, to uh, some sort of news, and then I promise you we're going to get into whatever wants to hear. So, you know, we talked about Money in the Bank with WWE. Well, the Cardiff show has sold has already sold more than 50,000 tickets, and people are complaining about those prices too. So, you know, I don't know if there's going to be an adjustment to that, but I think Cardiff seats about 65,000. So they've already sold over 50,000 tickets. So, you know, I would say that's already a su- success, and chances are they won't lower their prices or whatever it is. But I mean, you can't laugh at over 50,000. This, this is Wales. It's not in the heart of, you know, London. I don't know how many people live in the entirety of Wales, but I'm, I'm thinking it's like less than two or 3 million. I'll, I'll actually look into that, Jeff. Yeah. You can Google it while we're here, but I, I don't think that Wales has any city that's like, has like 3 million people in it. Um, I think so, you're yeah, right. Maybe, yeah. Um, Steve Carino. Ring of Honor legend. He's now a trainer at the WWE Performance Center. So, you know, people wondering where he's been and, you know, if WWE is the you know the worst place in the world to be. Well, Steve Carino, I guess, decided it isn't. Uh, Kurt Angle had surgery this week. He had a double knee replacement. He's supposed to be doing well. So good best wishes to him, of course. Kurt Angle, one of the best of all time. Um, just, a, you know, American hero, gold medalist, et cetera, et cetera. Mick Foley's starting a podcast. So just what we need, more competition, right, Jimmy? And it's oh, called God. Foley is Pod. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I mean, every not... wrestler now is doing it now. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah, that's right. That's the lead. The, the, the lead is that there was actually a professional wrestler that doesn't have their own podcast. Oh, but boy. Who hasn't heard everything they need to hear from Mick Foley? He's written like five books. He's He gives shoot interviews all the time. He's constantly on Twitter. He's overexposed. If anything, if anything, he's going to be like, it's, it's going to be like listening to Dan Abrams or Keith Olbermann. He's going to be like uber woke and annoying. So I'm not predicting big things for this podcast, but I mean, if anything, it, it's a little bit late in the game, Mick, to be doing this. Um, I don't know. Not, not excited about, I don't listen to celebrity podcasts anyway, for the most part. So I wasn't going to listen to it anyway, but I'm willing to bet this isn't. 
So let's let's do a little bit uh, well, a little bit more news while I'm here. Anthony Bowens just started this new faction with the Ass Boys and the Acclaim. Don't really know why they were doing it, but there were some chuckles there. I don't know what the potential would have been. The comedy's been okay, but why you have two tag teams in, in, in the same faction makes absolutely no sense. Same thing I said about the Hardy family office years ago when they had the Butcher and the Blade along with um, Private Party. What, what's the sense? You're, you're both looking for the same goals. It, it, it makes no sense. Um, anyway, they start this new storyline. It's funny. Billy Gunn is treating the acclaim like his kids and ignoring his own kids. Okay, it's it's a chuckle, chuckle. I don't know how long it'd be funny for. Anyway, Anthony Bowens just had knee surgery, so already their faction is down by one. And whatever the the tension there would have been between the tag teams, it's now cut in half because that that story is out for a while. So best of best of best of luck and best wishes to Anthony Bowens on a speedy recovery. I really like the acclaimed. I think that they're really entertaining and i think as far as wrestling is concerned they are good enough they they're, they're good enough to do anything love those raps randy orton apparently is legit dealing with a back injury it seems like he just needs more rest than anything else nothing serious but hey he's you know like 41 now so you know the back is the back nikita lyons is everybody's favorite thick girl now she tore her mcl that's why she was out of the nxt women's breakout tournament um and you know that Again, best wishes to her for a swift recovery. A lot of people are into her for all the wrong reasons, but she's got a lot of potential as a, as a wrestler. Uh, not so sure about her character, but you know, characters can be tweaked and worked on. But she had a pretty good move set, and I think that people like to look at her too. It certainly doesn't hurt anything. Um, but that spinning kick she did, and and then her finisher, the Molina finish. I mean, that, that was that was a good finish, and I never saw any match where hers where I'm like. Oh, she's a botch machine, or she's terrible. I mean, she already looked, you know, as good as many of the women on the on the main roster. I mean, the lower end women on the main roster. She didn't look as good as Charlotte Flair, Asuka, but you know, was she noticeably worse than, say, Carmella or Tamina or or Zelina? No. So hopefully she gets better because she's you know she's someone who certainly has potential to have a fairly long career in this business. There's also stories that Sting might be injured. I'm not sure if it's storyline because of the pilmanization or if he's really banged up and needs to take some time off, which those two things can be related, or if he actually has injuries, like a real injury. Um, again, they're not a publicly traded company. They're not required to reveal anything uh, about that. But, you know, maybe it's storyline. Maybe he'll show up, you know, at double or nothing and surprise us all. I mean, Darby doesn't have a match yet. So, I mean, that's possible. Maybe a Darby matches. One of those things that Tony Khan is holding in the back of his, you know, as an ace, you know, to keep the crowd happy if the if they got to wait during the hockey game. Earlier in the week, Hangman Page said that he wrote his own entrance music. Turns out he didn't write his own entrance music. So phony cowboy, phony copyright infringer as well, or real copyright infringement. But like, there's nothing authentic about this guy except that he wants people to love him. Wow. Good wrestler, great wrestler, <laughs> but I don't know. Something ain't right. Um, all the kids want attention these days. Wow, right. they do. Kota Ibushi. We talked about this in some of the other shows, but uh, for Hamalak Hangover, just to be continued from last week, Kota Ibushi uh, started the week where New Japan wished him a happy 40th birthday. So you think that's good? I mean, they're talking. Everyone's nice. Nope. The next day, Kota Ibushi starts tweeting things in Japanese, basically re-alleging the same kind of allegations and saying that when he told his mother, his mother said, well, now you can quit. 
And then the next day, his mother attempted suicide. Um, and Kota Ibushi is somehow tying those two things together that, okay, you're wagging your finger at me. What's up? I've got some news about that, and it's not exactly suicide, funny enough. So I can elaborate a bit more. Yeah, the problem yeah. with Jap well, the problem with Japanese translation is that it's usually translated wrong when it comes to English translation. So basically what this could mean, and I've and I've spoken about that with people that actually would know a lot about this. Apparently, there was a Yakuza hit on his mum. Now, if that's true, yeah, that's 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 what the word is going around. So instead of suicide, apparently it was a hit, possibly on his mum, and that's why Kota is going crazy on Twitter. Oh my god! Um, all right, well maybe he should stop going crazy on Twitter because the next hit's going to be on him, and he's easier to find. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's getting less famous every day. Apparently, he's also getting smaller because he can't work out. So, I mean, literally less recognizable as well. All right. That's crazy. Um, wow. I mean, most of what I know about Japan is from the movie Shogun, from Wolverine comic books, and recently from the movie, the TV show Tokyo Vice on HBO Max, uh, <laughs> and TV and movies. So it ain't a lot, but the, Cusa, the Yakuza ain't no joke. Um, I think really? they went after moms first. I thought they went after the person yeah. first, but maybe the rules have changed in the last 20 years or so. Uh, so, folks, Kenny ain't never going back to Japan. He may wrestle Japanese wrestlers because he's he's never going back to Japan. He don't have stones for that. I tell you that that baby, he's such a baby on social media. Good wrestler, maybe a great wrestler, but on social media, he stinks. Uh, all right, the week in WWE, Raw was friggin' awful, awful. I actually scored it as a zero. Now, wow, that's because I started at a negative three. Um, because of the formulaic programming, the, the commercials, the commercials inside the show, the yep. recaps, the recaps of the recaps, the recaps from last week, just the, the long, needless introductions that you see the same people two or three times on a show, basically doing the same segment. Just, it, it, it's so formulaic. It's so homogenized that I, I mean, I thought starting out as a negative three was actually quite fair. You know, people might say it's negative one for each hour. That, that That's just a coincidence. SmackDown was also negative two. That was less of a coincidence because once I did it for Raw, I'm like, well, SmackDown, it's the same thing, but it's shorter. So I'll take off two. Anyway, I gave Raw a three this week, but then after you the curve, a zero. So wow. that was Raw. NXT, I'm going to give a giant meh to. SmackDown? I thought SmackDown was okay. Uh, Jimmy and I actually did SmackDown on the uh, Smack Talk on the PWC. If you want to hear more yeah. thoughts about SmackDown, check that out. All for the Usos being the, the unified champions. Frankly, that's all that came out of it that was important. I will say that the Baron Corbin, Madcap Moss stuff that's happened the last two weeks, it has been the best part of that interaction. Unfortunately, that should have happened months ago or before WrestleMania backlash anyway. I mean, this feud should have ended at WrestleMania Backlash, and it shouldn't first be getting good now because it can't get good now because nobody cares about these two guys. Nobody wants to see them anymore. So whatever kind of sympathy you put on Madcap Moss, I, I still don't want to see him get his comeuppance on Baron Corbin because, frankly, I don't want to see them together. He already got his comeuppance. Yeah. So now the good news is that they seem to be talking about repackaging him with a new character. I'm like, I'm hesitating now because I'm like, is it good news? I mean... 
reason for optimism because that character is awful and needs to be repackaged. Even if you liked it as a heel character, which is questionable what your tastes are, um, as a face character, you know, failed. It wouldn't work at all. So we'll see. Um, but I don't need to see these t- these guys again, even if they take 10 weeks to bring it back to TV. That That's not going to freshen up this feud anymore. I agree 100%. I'm sick of it as it is. Although I do think Madcap Moss does have a lot of potential, though, Jeff. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got a good look. You know, he's he's big, he's ripped. Um, I, I I hear from Kevin Castle that he hears from women that women find him attractive. Oh, um, really? Yeah, you know, I, I sort of liked him during his Raw Underground stint. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, sure he's got potential. I don't, I don't think he's a bad wrestler. He certainly works the WWE style perfectly good. I mean, Perfect. right? He, he's he's better than Rick Boogs, though Rick Boogs has that, that uncanny power, had it. Um, you know, he's. I'd say he's similar in style to like uh, Eli Drake, Eli Knight, Max Dupree. Yeah. Now, that, that's all. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, you know, so we'll see. I mean, stories and characters matter. Unfortunately, WWE has been dropping the ball on stories and characters as well, which makes the sanitized, homogenized, safe wrestling less interesting because everything feels less interesting uh, when when the stories suck. I mean, if you watch NWA wrestling, the, the wrestling really is pretty much the same as WWE style, but their stories are slightly more complex and develop a little bit more quickly. You may not like them. You may not like the wrestlers, but at least they try to make things interesting. I mean, they, they have trouble for other reasons, budget and, and the level of talent and things like that. But WWE really has no excuses other than, you know, profit gouging. Um, all right. So we're going to talk a little bit about raw because uh, there were some things that were sort of interesting to note so the street profits clearly are back as faces again uh, you know one week heelish one week faceless, one week heelish doesn't matter probably not because there's no real tag team focus at all so if they want to be faces fine don't really care um but we're going to keep watching that to see if, they, if they're like mini big shows that they sort of change a little bit every week um matt riddle took a more aggressive tone this week telling randy he loved him but he tried to be more serious i think it sort of worked it still feels weird with matt riddle it's not just what his character's been like like his face he just he sort of has his jeff spicoli face he just he doesn't look like a serious guy but he was getting there and so we're seeing a different side of him that was maybe the most interesting part of the show and it wasn't all that interesting lashley yeah i agree um, by the way yeah Lashley and Omos doing it again, but in the first of dumbass booking of the week, he says something like, I don't know, like MVP and Omos come out and MVP says, I can still whoop you. Uh, and Lashley's like, okay, well, if you beat me, then you can pick the stipulation for the Hell in the Cell match or Hell in a Cell match. Um, you know, which, I mean, you knew where that was going. So why would you do it, dumbass? I mean, he should say, I've won two matches. We're done. The end, you know. Uh, but no, that's not the way it works. That's not, not the way faces work. I didn't think this was Lashley's work, worst promo. I think he was okay. Yeah, he slurred on some of his words. Yeah, he didn't say Nigerian, right? But, you know, whatever. But I've heard him sound much more robotic. He actually sounded like a human being for the most part here. But dumbass stipulation. Anyway. MVP won via a countout, which should have been a disqualification against Omos because the referee apparently got temporary blindness. Um, 
And so, of course, the stipulation is now at Hell in a Cell. It's going to be two-on-one, almost an MVP against Lashley in Hell in a Cell. What what can I say? I mean, I I don't like it when faces agree to and make stupid stipulations, and this was that. So this this was the first one of the week. Um, Okay, Cody Clock. Cody Clock has been a foul. Brian Alvarez finally acknowledged it, but he said that this was the first week. Did it, did it hit them? No, I've been covering this the whole time. Last week, the Cody clock, hour three, dropped into the one sixes from wow. one sevens last week. This week, Cody clock at 10 o'clock that third hour went to 1.53. 1.53, right as the Cody clock and, you know, I don't really, I'm not sure that it's all Cody in this case, but he's obviously not the starter they think he is. Do I think he's been a good addition? Yes. Do I think that he's been booked well? Yes. Do I think his matches have mostly delivered? Yes. Do I think this is his fault? No, but he's just Cody. He's just a guy. He's a great ensemble player, but he's not your franchise player. I mean, if anything, that that was part of the lesson of AEW is that he wasn't that big a star. Is he in, can he be in your top eight or 10? Sure. But like they're like focusing on like he's Roman Reigns. And this is the thing that I think drives everyone crazy with WWE is that nothing's organic. Everything is sort of forced one way or another. And there's, you know, there's, you can stretch to say that there could be six or seven people in the main picture, but you're, you're talking, you're throwing in Randy Orton, you're saying Edge or maybe Edge because it's a lot of maybes. You know, you're throwing in AJ Styles, who sometimes I forget is there. But really in the top scene, there's Roman, maybe Cody, maybe Drew, and then Brock comes up. That's probably fourth on your list if Brock comes back. I mean, is Lashley in there? He should be, but he's not. Could could he be? Sure. Could almost be, I suppose. Um, but, you know, AW for whatever you want to say, could be Moxley, could be Jericho, could be MJF, could be Punk, could be Brian. Could, could they do something with Malachi? Yes. Could they put something behind Andrade? Yes. Could it be Jeff Hardy? Yes. Could it be Darby? Yes. There's there's probably 15 or 16 guys that would be plausible. So even a WWE, if you want to go as deep as, you know, Edge puts the gas behind Damian Priest or you want to buy into Finn can be pushed again to that level, you're still only going to get to nine. If you want to use that same kind of logic for AW, you could probably get to 20 people who plausibly could be put in, in a world title picture. You can even go to Jungle Boy or even Christian if you wanted to. I'm not even talking about Adam Cole or a returning Kenny Omega. I mean, you could probably go to 25. So where they could manufacture a story. I haven't even said Wardlow yet. So, True. you know, so WWE, you know, take notes, please. All right. So what else on Raw? So the Cody Miz match. First of all, we, we've already seen them. That was Cody's first match in WWE. By the way, the first match was much better. This match was terrible. So anyone who says the Miz isn't a good wrestler, he's okay. He's fine. He's adequate. Not in this match. He stunk. He. I don't know if he was drunk. I don't know if he had the stomach flu. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if he wasn't trying. I don't know if he. If Sasha, you know, possessed his spirit. I, I don't know what it was, but he stunk. This match stunk, and it was. 85% the Miz and the 15% was on Cody is just because he's not great enough to carry someone else uh, to that extent. So, wow, this, 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 this was bad. And then we see Asuka and Becky again for reasons. Why? So of course we get triple, that's their favorite thing to do. All right. 
NXT talked about Nikita Lyons um, in the women's breakout tournament. Because of that, Fallon Henley, she's the woman that's been hanging around with um, Brooks and Dunn or whatever their names are, Briggs and Jensen. Jensen with the broken arm, Jensen useless. So she has a bye. Oh, no, she doesn't. Tiffany Stratton challenges her. She accepts, so they make it official. Uh, so Tiffany Stratton wins that match. So Tiffany Stratton is in the the finals of the breakout tournament against Roxanne Perez. Pretty cool. I mean, you know, Roxanne, former Roxy. I predict her to the win. I know everyone thought it was going to be Nikita Lyons, last legend, but last legend, frankly, isn't good enough. By the way, this is this is someplace where WWE really could have benefited from keeping folks like Paul White and Mark Henry there to help teach big people how to wrestle. I know they're big men and she's a big woman, but it's, it's the same psychology. It's the same kind of moveset. I, I know what they see in her. She's a, she's a six foot one woman. I think she was in the, you know, I think she might've been a college basketball player. So she's obviously athletic. She's green as grass and NXT is developmental, but she shouldn't be exposed so much on TV. She, she could benefit from training with people like big show, uh, uh, Mark Henry, um, you know, Kevin Nash, you know, just just some big workers that, that, that can help. Maybe even Tamina Snuka. I mean, she's not that great a wrestler, but maybe she can train. I don't know. Plenty of people who aren't that great in the ring can train. Anyway, uh, that was that. But the big thing for me anyway, well, two things. Okay, second stupid-ass stipulation. Joe Gacy is trying to get into the head of uh, Braun Breaker, who can't act worth shit. I've been, I've been, say, everyone's saying he's a star. Like WWE fans have put, have invested so much in Braun Breaker as AEW fans have invested in AEW that everything is great, everything is perfect, everything's terrific, everything Braun Breaker is terrific. He's good, he's okay, I, you know. But like right now, I'm seeing somewhere, someone between Robert Roode and Sheamus. I, I'm not seeing your next Roman Reigns, John Cena kind of guy. Um, <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means because I don't speak emoji, but maybe Jimmy, you can uh, uh, tell tell me what that means. Well, I, I assume at Mark Media straight means the Cody run mean? has been shit. Sorry, yeah. I, I, that's what I hear. It means straight shit. Um, yeah. Disagree, but but that's okay. You're you're allowed to think that. Um, you know. Uh, so yeah. So where where was oh so Joe Gacy? So Joe Gacy gets Braun Breaker to agree that if he gets counted out no if he gets dq'd he still loses the title and and of course you know and, and joe gacy sort of distracts brown breaker during his match with duke hudson why and brown breaker manages to get disqualified or counted out or something and so he would lose he would lose the title if that's the case now i think it was disqualified not counted out i, th- I think count outs are different or wasn't mentioned whether i'm not sure if that counts as a disqualification or not to be honest with you i'm not sure what nxt do as well um and I don't really care about that. It's just stupid. It's another face agreeing to a dumbass stipulation. And also, act. I mean, Braun Breaker's been very one note. And when he tried to act, well, he acts a little bit like Dana Brooke. So anyway, oh. there's that. But the positive, Wesley and Sangha. This is the team that I want. I I am loving this. Sangha, Sangha, Sangha. Sangha mania is, okay. is sweeping. Forget about Veer. Veer is coming. Sangha's already more interesting than Veer. He's certainly better than Shanky and Commander Aziz. I dare say he might be better than Omos, but almost looks good. I like Omos. I'm, in, I'm interested in Omos. But Sangha, God, if he didn't take that picture 
all those years ago spoiling it, and then he got semi-released. He's just love him. It's terrific. Asanga Mania, and he's like the polite big man. I'm, I'm loving this, 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 you know, not gentle, this, this polite Goliath kind of thing. He beats Wesley. He beats him mercilessly. But then when Zion Quinn is going to get involved, he comes back in to stop it. So I'm loving this like power and glory thing. For for years, I was saying, you know, put Braun Strowman and Ricochet as a team. Or put Lashley and Ricochet. Have one of those power and you know, I know power and glory. That was Hercules and uh, and Paul uh, Roma. Paul Roma. For those of you who who don't know, and and Paul Roma wasn't exactly a high flyer. I mean, these days he he you know he's basically built like Chris Adonis. He's huge for the, for the modern era. But for then, I mean, he was in great shape. But he was more like a Paul Orndorff guy, not like a Hercules. So Hercules was the power guy. Anyway, so it's sort of that dynamic, but it would be more like if like Andre the Giant was throwing around, you know, be Brian Blair or something. Anyway, I, I would <laughs> almost like awesome. hell no. Almost yeah. like hell no, except that Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan then is very much a grounder and pounder as well. He's not really a high flyer either. Anyway, so I'm, I'm loving the, the chances of this dynamic. I also have famously said that I think that Wesley could be the next Rey Mysterio um, in that being that perennial baby face underdog who never gives up and is just quick enough and skilled enough, you know, to, to make it happen. And they sort of blew it with their chance with Ricochet and he's in his lane and he's doing better now, but they can't sort of restart it that much. But Wesley, it's a blank slate, but I like this also. So I'm all about Sangha. I'm all for that. That's the best part of NXT, but that's really spending too much time on nxt all right by the way nxt these days it's formulaic too the commercials and the camera cuts and all that it's becoming much like the main roster it's like the diet main roster and that is not at all in a good way um and i'm going to do something i don't think anyone else i'm doing nxt release predictions right now i'm not wishing upon anyone but I'm, I'm, I mean, I, you know, they're not they're not taking time with this. You get six to ten months to show yourself on TV. You either got it or you don't. And I am telling you right now, I think that there's people who are gone. I think that they're going to cut bait with Zoe Stark. She's been out for a while. There, there seems, you know, I, I don't, you know, EO is also hurt, but I don't see their, them doing anything with Zoe Starks. There's no need. They've already got the tough badass and Amber Fire, former Kaylee Ray. Um, it's like a whole new direction. Um, she really doesn't have the looks for a WWE superstar. So I think that once she gets healthy, that, that she'll be, you know, released once, you know, like two weeks after she's healthy. Grizzled young veterans. I don't think that they're the Druids for Joe Gacy. If they are, that's an enormous fail. I, I think that grizzled young veterans are either being sent back to the UK or sent back in period. Roderick Strong. Oh his days are numbered. I, I I keep losing bets on this, but one day I'm going to be right. But I mean, this whole thing with diamond mine, the, you know, you know, once the creeds get over on the bad guys of diamond mine, Rod, Roddy's gone after that. Um, Wendy Chu. It was funny for a couple of weeks. Um, it's not working anymore. So Wendy Chu, I'd say she's, she loses her title match. About five weeks later, she's in the next uh, mini bus flip. Um, Duke Hudson, you're tall. That's it. Indy Hartwell, see Duke Hudson. A kid, he, he came in with a whole lot of promise. They then immediately replaced him with Nathan Frazier, who's the same guy, also has no personality, another undersized, fast English guy. 
A Kid, either back to NXT UK, gone. You haven't heard his name. No one's been saying him. They were promoting him coming soon for three or four weeks. Pretty deadly. I cannot stand them. I see them on the screen. Uh -huh. I want to vomit. I mean, <laughs> what what a parody of like some sort of 1982 bad version of like the Fantastic Ones or something. And that's to insult the Fantastic Ones. Um, I know what the gimmick is supposed to be. I know it's like sort of like a sort of a breeze angle kind of thing. I know they they think they're hot and you know they're an ambiguously gay duo, but they're not gay. They're they're, they're womanizers. I don't care. Whatever it is, their outfits are stupid. Their look is stupid. I, I mean. If they were built like, well, Paul Roma and Chris Adonis, then it might work for me. But they have no most, they have no muscle tone. Where, where is this conceit coming from? They don't look tough. They don't look like badasses. Get rid of them. <sighs> Who? Else? Oh, Chen. I don't even know his first name, but the guy that's from Singapore keeps getting hurt. <laughs> Singapore is in China. In fact, China doesn't much like <laughs> Singapore. Get rid of him. Jack of Time Jiro. Goodbye. You stink. It's over. Von Wagner, I know they're going to keep trying with you because you're big, but I think that you have one more quarter. You have three more months. If that beautiful woman there that they're can't get you over, people aren't interested in seeing her with you. They tried Robert Stone. They tried you with other people. They tried you as a face. They put you on SmackDown. Ain't working, dude. I mean, unless you just embrace the full caveman thing, like, oh, like Berserker, that kind of thing. Oh, um, no, please. Speaking of Robert Stone, I mean, if they didn't keep Malcolm Bivens, this guy was already Malcolm Bivens light. I know Malcolm Bivens was offered a contract and requested his release, but if they're not going to go with managers, I mean, you know, there ain't nothing there. So, Robert, sorry. they. I mean, your brand has already been taken by Max Dupree. It's the same character, so he's already on the main roster. So what's to do with you? Nothing. Uh, Saray ain't working. Josie Wrestling doesn't work in this country, period. You may have a small audience that likes it. That small audience is watching AEW. And not the 60-year-old man men who are watching NXT. I mean, sorry, the in the <laughs> demo is like 0.13 every week. Over 50, uh, that that over 50 uh men, it's going. <laughs> who is that? He's really a that? producer, guys. This is really a solo show. He's just here to hold my hand. I have I've done very few solo shows and very few live shows. This is this is not about me alienating Jimmy. It's just he's like, do you even no, want no, me no. to be on screen? I'm like, yes. I don't want people just to look at me. I, I wasn't aware that I could ramble on this long. Uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy. That was, well, no, I was going to say that was Chris. And yeah, man, my job is just to to be here and produce pretty much, and I'll chime in whenever I feel like chiming in, or when Jeff tells me to chime in. Yeah, but you're right. It is funny. It probably is a funny visual. Um, I just didn't really think like he was going to want to say much about Raw NXT because I'm basically panning both shows. I mean, what's he going to say other than what's he going to say? No, Raw was great. Or NXT. Was, <laughs> what, what do you think about Raw and NXT this week? Well, I did say it was pretty crap. Other than SmackDown, last week was pretty good. Like we were saying on Smack Talk, but NXT, forget about it. it it's unwatchable now. I cannot watch it, and I pretty much agreed with everything you said about the upcoming releases, except for maybe Indy Hartwell. Yeah, listen, I, you know, I, I have a couple of reaches in there. Look, even Duke Hudson, he's tall. They like tall people. Mm. He's goofy, know, I, though, man. He's a big goof. He is goofy. I know that Wade Barrett keeps trying to uh, compare him to himself, but 
No. I, I, he's just a hollow version of Wade Barrett. And you you can't compare someone to Wade Barrett when Wade Barrett's right there showing you how good Wade Barrett is. I mean, Wade Barrett is wasted on NXT. I would love him to be on the main roster just to be like a, a breath of fresh air like Pat McAfee was on SmackDown. I don't know whose place he takes. I mean, frankly, it could be any of the three, but certainly, obviously, Byron Saxton is the obvious one. Then you have two heel commentators. So make a Corey Graves, put him back at NXT. I, I you know, I, I, you know, Corey Graves occasionally is, is entertaining, but he's not great. Wade Barrett is great. I, I agree. And speaking of Corey Graves, is there is there is some smoke, but is he going to be fire? Is he coming back to possibly wrestle? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I know that there's smoke. I don't think so. He keeps denying it. Uh, I mean, does he look like he's in wrestler shape? Does he look like he's in WWE wrestler shape? I mean, I could see an angle maybe, you know, if they can't find a Johnny Knoxville for, you know, for a B-level pay-per-view to have a, you know, commentary in it. Maybe he's defending Carmella's honor or something. If he could take some bumps and, you know, work with somebody who's going to, you know, uh, who can be counted on. Uh, No, I don't know. Um, I also don't like this judgment day thing. It is, it is stale. It's dull. These guys are not scary. Um, it's, you know, yeah. Do I want to find out who new members are going to be? Yes. Everyone like Finn Balor is all the talk. Why? Why? They have so few faces. They have so few faces to get cheers from the crowd. Why do you need edge being the leader of another 40 something year old? I When you have a faction, you add members. It it should be for younger people or newer people. Yes, I understand Damian Priest is 38 years old, but he's newer to the WWE universe, and most people don't know his age, so they will probably think he's like 33 or something. But, like, yeah, I know DiJack hasn't been doing anything. I keep saying DiJack, and I'm hearing some other people say it too, but I've been saying it for weeks. Not not because I'm so smart or I'm predicting anything. I just looked up and down the Raw roster and said, who's not doing anything that they, if they haven't released, they, you know, they, they haven't given up on and Dijak's a big guy and he can be sort of the heater and, and sort of the pin eater when there needs to be one. But, you know, he can be the big guy that's wearing, you know, a black suit or whatever that, you know, rarely wrestles. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know who else there is. It's not going to be Tozawa. It's not going to be our truth. Reggie is, well, Reggie and Tozawa are probably two of the near coming main roster releases. Um, as well, I mean, unless you're going to change R-Truth's character into evil R-Truth again, and then what? he's 48, so that, that wouldn't make any sense. Anyway. anyway, for better or for worse, Vince loves what R-Truth is doing. He's never, he's not going to change that. He's untouchable, actually, Jeff. Well, he should be untouchable. I'm just saying I think his character isn't going to change because I think Vince laughs at no. things R-Truth. We all laugh at things Absolutely. R-Truth does. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he turns, I'm not going to say he turns chicken, chicken shit into chicken salad. Sometimes he does. But he turns chicken shit, at least into like chicken shit that's covered with kitty litter, so it doesn't smell so bad. Edible, edible chicken shit. No, absolutely not edible. <laughs> I mean, just, <laughs> just, it won't make you gag when you smell it. I mean, you're, you're going a little crazy here, Jimmy. <laughs> All right. AEW. So, Dynamite. All right. Uh, Dynamite for me, the first hour was sort of in slow motion, but the second hour picked up. Uh, I seem to be sort of unique in that perspective. So maybe it was just the, the wrong day for me. I don't know. Uh, maybe that uh, Wednesday of the month. I'm not sure. Um, 
this Hangman CM Punk promo in the beginning, everyone was saying, greatest promo, so emotional, greatest promo. And then some people started breaking ranks and started, I'm starting to see and hear voices and comments that mirror my own going, wait, what? What has CM Punk done to alienate AEW? What has CM Punk done in storyline to make AEW feel unimportant? All he's done is prop up AEW. All he's done is hit on WWE and not in the good way. I mean, hit on like, you know, punching on him. Um, What's he ever done to Hangman Page? You know, you know, I don't get it. And this is like if they were building this story for the last two months, that would make sense. I mean, it would make more sense than MJF's character who's talking about signing with WWE. That story would make sense. Uh, but this doesn't make sense. And Hangman Page doesn't really have a character. He claims to be a cowboy, but he's really not. But two weeks ago, he was sort of heelish. Then last week, they, they were both faces. And now this week, he's more aggressive and sort of heelish. Everyone's saying he was so emotional. Okay, sure. But about what? What's he emotional about? He doesn't trust CM Punk? I mean... It's a little bit late to be starting that story now. I mean, CM Punk is, you know, I mean, let's not forget that in in the last 12 months, the best ratings have been CM Punk debuts on Rampage and Dynamite. I mean, CM Punk stopped the bleeding for a while and maybe, you know, provided a little bit of a lift. I mean, I know that there's been a million excuses and some of them more more valid than others, but AEW has not consistently broken a million or it's consistently not broken a million now for probably seven weeks, maybe longer. I'm not really sure. Um, so, I mean, ain't none of that CM Punk's fault. I, so I just don't get it. I mean, it it would make sense if that was a story, but it it doesn't. So I didn't get this promo at all. I was just left scratching my head. And again, it was Hangman Page who sort of ran away from CM Punk. He wouldn't shake his hand. He sort of seemed like a disgruntled, disillusioned youth again, which is what he's been trying to move away from. I, I just don't think he knows what he wants to be. And, and that's part of the problem with the freedom in AEW is that people can do what they want to a large extent. And Tony Khan will say, I have the best world champion in wrestling. You know what? If he's, if he says that publicly, cool. That's what he should say. He should promote his brand. But if that's what he thinks privately, I, I hope he knows that, that it's not the case. And my feelings on hangman are well on record. So I don't need to repeat them again. Um, even for the new live audience of two people or you know, whoever's listening live, they, they all know it. If not, go listen to past shows and, and you'll hear it plenty of times, probably every single goddamn week. You won't have to search too hard. Um, but basically, here's the short of it. I think he's a great wrestler. I've liked him for a long time, but I think he's like a mid-card title guy. And that's not a knock that, that there's nothing at all wrong with being Kurt Henning. There's nothing wrong with that at all. There, there um, actually isn't. Kurt Henning is yeah. one of the best ever. I mean, let's be honest. Exactly. So, and and listen, AW hasn't done him any favors in the booking and the order of the booking. He's delivered in matches, but he's delivered in matches that don't make sense in the context. So, anyway, like I just said, I'm not going to repeat myself and just start repeating myself. Um, all right. So, a couple tournament matches. Okay, they got me on the men's tournament. I really thought that this was going to be a Cole Kyle O'Reilly final. I'm not. I'm not mad that it's Cole Samoa Joe. I just don't know why the Ring of Honor TV champion needed to be in this tournament in the first place. But I guess why not? The Ring of Honor world champion's not in it. The Ring of Honor pure champion's not in it. So I guess maybe someone from Ring of Honor deserves to be in there. I, you know, I suppose. Certainly he earned his way more into it than Maki Ito as a joker who's done nothing. I mean, there were qualifying matches for weeks and, and she's just dropped into it. Yes, I know Johnny Elite was just dropped into it too, but, you know, 
at least he's sort of a big star or, you know, sort of, or, well, it's not really a big star, maybe more in my mind than anything else, but he's a bigger star than Maki Ito, at least, you know, in, in this continent. Um, but even that didn't make a lot of sense. Like, you know, the Jokers, if they were coming in out of the blue, should have at least been people that either were world champions in other organizations right now, or that they talked about it. Now they could have done that with Johnny, uh, you know, but it's been a few years. He was Impact Champion. He was Lucha Underground Champion. He's held titles in WWE, but it's been a few years. So I, I think that the statute of limitations on that has passed. Like, but they could have had or should have had, you know, maybe have Nick Aldis come in, you know, who the, the, the former NWA champion, have Mark Matt Cardona come in, the current five title champion. You know, he doesn't need a qualifying match to come in. Um, you know, or maybe somebody who holds, there's, there's people who hold a bunch of indie titles. Like I think Shane Taylor's got like five or six of them, you know, you know, bring, bring him in, bring him in as, as the Joker. And the, the reason he gets a bias because he's got four or five titles out there. Um, and you could have easily done the same thing with women wrestlers out there. They're, they're whoever the champion is in Thunder Rosa's promotion that that would have made sense. You know, but I know they think Makita was the big yippee, um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I judge that. That's a thumbs down for those on the audio. Um, anyway, enough about that. Um, so Joe won. Okay, cool. So we're going to get Joe and Cole. Apparently they've never faced before. I'm predicting Adam Cole is going to win because Adam Cole needs a trophy. And, you know, I don't think Adam Cole's a big star, but if they think Adam Cole's a big star, you know, he's basically been losing most of the things that are important. So, Winning this at least gives him some bragging rights. By the way, Tony said in the press conference that at Double or Nothing, we're going to find out what the winners win, and it's going to be something really nice. What a trophy! If you know what, if it's if it's a, a trophy with at the top is an Owen Hart statuette of him holding two slammies or something look like slammies. Oh, oh okay. yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I thought you were going to say something else for a second, but thank God no. you didn't. Yeah, that would be great. And by the way, it doesn't have to be one thing. It can be a trophy. And we're going to donate $100,000 to the Owen Hart Foundation in your name. And you get a title shot within the next, you know, within the next 90 days or, you know, the title of your choice or whatever, or whatever they want to do. I mean, it can, it doesn't have to be, you know, only or, uh, but it can be. But, you know, it would have been nice to know what they're fighting for other than just, you know, recognition for this charity that, the, again, they haven't told us what this charity does. And... I'm, again, I'm not trying to diss the charity, but if this charity wasn't the Owen Hart Foundation, I doubt that anybody listening to this or watching AEW, unless you lived in Western Canada and had a kid in school, that you'd really care about what they do deeply. I mean, it's fine, but they give scholarships, you know, uh, rather modest scholarships to uh, students in, uh, I think, five or six uh, high schools in Western Canada for college. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, they're like, I think they're like $4,000. It's not nothing, but it's not like paying the, the, the freight. They also have like a, a cash class where they give people financial education for 12 months. Those people need to establish like a savings account and they can put away either uh, 50 to $250 a month. And then if they successfully complete the course and all the requirements, then the Owen Hart Foundation will match that up to two dollars for everyone so theoretically you could if you complete everything and you you deposit the, mo the maximum you'll get nine thousand dollars so you get six thousand extra dollars nothing wrong with that but they're saying so you can make a down payment on a house where <laughs> uh, i mean again there's nothing wrong with it but 
there's nothing wrong with nine thousand dollars. I mean, it's a little preachy to give someone financial classes, um, but maybe it's something that, that's needed. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not trying to knock it. It's just it's just not you know big time stuff. Um, and then they have some other program like in Peru with something to do with. I'm not really sure, but I, I, I got the idea that it was it was like something to do with some sort of like like wares, not not like clothes, but maybe like shoes and, and knapsacks, like things that matter, but, you know, they're not going to really change lives in a major way. So again, it's a perfectly nice charity. It's just, you know, again, I think if you just ran across it and unless you lived in that area or, or really cared about that part of Peru or something that, you know, you wouldn't be attracted to it anyway. So maybe that's why they're not saying it. Maybe they're just lazy. I just, you know, I don't know. All right. Double or nothing. So some of the card is still in flux. We already talked about that there may be cards in the pocket. Um, we're not sure if Sammy Kavara's injured. We're not sure if Darby's injured. We're not sure if the Sting thing is real. Um, we have a match on Rampage tonight to determine who the uh, the whether it's going to be Chris Statlander or Ruby Soho to face Dr. Britt Baker um, in the women's final. By the way, we have to touch on this match with Dr. Britt Baker and Tony Storm. Mostly a not so good to mediocre match, but the end was botched horribly. I don't know what Jamie Hayter was supposed to do. I guess she was, you know, she was distracting, but Britt didn't want her there. But then she sort of did, or she forgave her. Uh, I don't know if she was supposed to push the rope closer to Britt or hold Britt's arms or whatever it was. Britt didn't seem to know what to do with her hands. She she originally looked like she was going to try to grab both of Tony Storm's legs. She hesitated. She she hooked only one of the legs and then remembered she was supposed to hold the rope. I mean, it was, I don't know. Britt didn't look so good. And, and like, I hate to sound so picky like like her belly was sort of hanging over her shorts, which that doesn't happen with her. Like, she had abs. Like, something's going on. So I think whoa, whoa, she, might be, she might be resting on her laurels a little bit. No, I'm not saying she's like pregnant. <laughs> That's perfect. You knew what I was gonna say. I speak Jimmy. I I, I I see your eyes and I know I know where you're going. Even sometimes when I pretend I don't, I do. I just choose not to. Sometimes I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. It took me ten days to figure out what your what your cat joke was about. Oh no shit. Yeah, uh, and now That's funny. Yeah. Oh god. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I don't know what that says about me. Um, <laughs> anything else happened on Dynamite that was that was important? I mean, I know we got the the the, the silly fight with JAS, and they they oh. set some poor schlub on fire in the back, and he's on the ground going, "Oh, oh, ooh. <laughs> and no security comes, no paramedics. Commentary doesn't say anything oh, about it. Boy. I mean, Jr. is talking rightfully so about the shooting in in Uvalde, Texas, you know, but but he couldn't take a second to say, "We're going to give you an update on on that the, that event staff." guy was burned apparently he's okay paramedics are attending to him thank god it wasn't more serious i mean some something like that i i, I don't know um i love the interplay in aw between the fake security and their real security guys i i don't know if anyone else god. like to me that's that's one of the highlights of the show when uh, you know when like they forget that they're not supposed to walk side by side with the regular security once they get into the event and they have to like push them back this week it didn't happen but i'm always watching that but for whatever reason this week, security did not have um, the key to Wardlow's handcuffs. Um, I actually thought that the cage match was sort of slow in the beginning. Um, 
but I love the ending. I mean, it was perfect. It was exactly what should have been. I liked how MJF came out in that outfit with the with the biker shorts, a la Shawn Michaels, and how mm-hmm. we had the Burberry print in, in the referee. So believe me, I'm not dissing that. I thought that was great. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, you know, if he's going to have the key. I guess that was one of the stipulations. They should have said that, that the ref has the key this time. You know, then we would have known what was going on. I mean, he did the pantomime well enough that we knew that he was, you know, mimicking when Wardlow couldn't find the ring in his matches with uh, Punk before. Yep, Aaron Bowen says to the card is What's up, Aaron? How's it going? I didn't know you you tuned in here. Cool. Good to see you. Um, check out all the shows. Yeah, the card is super crap, but this is what AEW does. And, and you know, it's not all necessary. That, I mean, on one hand, they're charging 50 bucks. So I sort of am glad that they want to give me five hours and, and want to keep me entertained. But it's just like if I'm paying 50 bucks, I, I don't need five hours of wrestling. I just really, really don't. Um, or do we like two and a half hours and then a break and then two and a half hours? I, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, it's not like you need piss breaks because even AEW does the recaps. They don't do the obnoxious WWE, like 10 minute commercials between each match oh, or 15 boy. minute commercials. Um, but, you know, you, there's there's a few minutes between each AEW, so you, you you can't even call a match your piss break match anymore. Maybe you're run out to go get a pizza, you know, uh, match. Um, but it is super crap. But yeah, I get it. They want to give you your money's worth. I I understand. I, I mean, I guess I'd rather have a pack card if I'm paying this amount of money than a non-pack card. But sort of around ten fifteen, I start to regret it. <laughs> you know, it's like when you eat too much. Like oh, I'm really enjoying sure, these. Like, I love the last WWE pay-per-view that was, uh, you know, two hours and 45 minutes if you didn't watch the pre-show. And you didn't have to watch the pre-show. Didn't know that going in, but you didn't have to watch the pre-show. Um, of course, I have Peacock with Comcast, so I don't pay for it. So if I paid, you know, $50 for that, I probably would have been pissed. But if they charged me $25 for it and gave me exactly that, I'd be okay with it. Um, so I don't know. I'm more of a mixed mind with that. Uh, it's, it's a lot to keep track of. So anyway, Wardlow uh, did a Superman thing, broke the cuffs, which was a little extreme, but it's wrestling. It's fine. Sean Spears tried to hit him with the, the chair. Wardlow got out of the way. He clocked MJF square on the head. He fell down like a tree. He was so unconscious, his eyes were open and glassy. It, it was actually pretty funny. And then, you know, and then Wardlow did the symphony, you know, powerbomb symphony. And um, a, another referee came in, I think it was Bryce Rensburg. And you know, made the three count and then Wardlow climbed up on the top, didn't have to, but he was like standing over everybody, hovering over them and the crowd ate it up. You know, I picked Wardlow to be my breakout star of the year. Steve poo-pooed it. Wrong again, Steve, and you're not even here to argue with me. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but- yeah, sorry, Steve, you're wrong about that, man. Yeah, it's so, so wrong. So, so wrong. And for those of you who love Ron Breaker, See Wardlow for reference. This is a guy who's got personality. He just has a he just feels more natural. He feels yeah, more natural. And I like Cross, but the way he was packaged on the main roster also felt artificial. And I use those guys on purpose because I think the Wardlow sort of looks like both of them. He's much bigger than much Ron better Baker. too, actually. I'm gonna say, even if that gets me heat, I'm gonna say it right now. Wardlow's better than Cross. Oh, I don't know. I'm better, better than Braun Breaker. I oh, think yeah, he is. He should be better than Braun Breaker. I, he, I don't know that he's better than Cross or not. I mean, you know, I I, I think they're both good. And and I, I think, unfortunately, our memory of Cross is from the main roster, which was weird. I mean, sometimes you look great, yeah, sometimes you don't look so great. But I think that physically they look the same. They're both around 6'4", they're both built. Um, 
you know, when Wardlow had less hair and before Cross grew his hair back. I mean, minus the, t- the tattoos, I think facially they even resemble each other. Um, Ron Breaker to a lesser extent, but I, I think in NXT he looks bigger than he is because most of the people were smaller. I think on the main roster it, it wouldn't be the same. I think people saw when they saw next to Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, he's not really that giant a guy. Um, but I, I think they, they're sort of in the same mold. They're sort of the same bruiser, straight ahead, kind of methodical powerhouse wrestler, uh, serious guy kind of thing. Um, anyway, all about Wardlow. So anyway, let's get to predictions on Double or Nothing. And I'm going to start with MJF versus Wardlow. All right. So I did this like super clever little thing that MJF can still win and Wardlow can't work for AW, but he can be signed by Ring of Honor. Yes, that is an out. That's a loophole. I don't think wrestling is that clever. Even AEW, I don't think they're going to do it. And I don't think they should do it. All of this should not lead to Wardlow losing, even if it's a cheat, because if it's a cheat, the story has to go on. What are they going to do, put a mask on Wardlow? I mean, that's more likely than the Ring of Honor thing, because it's so WCW. It's so NWA that the you get a loser leaves town match, the hero loses it, and then all of a sudden you have Dusty Rhodes, you know, under a mask and he's calling himself the the American Nightmare, and everyone's like, "Who's that? Who could that possibly?" He's got this giant bulbous thing on his stomach there. Who could that possibly be? Remember um, that too? <laughs> of course, I remember that. I mean, it's a, this is yeah. this is a this is a wrestling trope, and that's exactly what Tony Khan likes. You know what? I I I would I would prefer that over the Ring of Honor sign me, even though I came up with it and I think it is super clever and it's more modern, it's less hokey, only because the mask thing is just such a traditional wrestling thing. But after, but I don't need Wardlow and MJF anymore. I mean, this this has been going long enough. Wardlow can do his thing, MJF can do his thing. Who he does it with, I don't know. Let him blame Sean Spears and let that be his little transitional feud. Maybe he gets another heater. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it's Lance Archer. Maybe they dust off Brian Cage. I don't think Miro should come in for that thing. Maybe they hire Eric Redbeard. Maybe they don't. Maybe they just want him to, to stand alone. Maybe they don't want him to be with the pack any longer. Was that well, a, I I actually, something Well, I actually think that possibly if MJF does get the win over Wardlow, and it's a big if, but if he does, don't be surprised if he brings in, say, Cesaro. It is double or nothing after all, actually, Jeff. And surely we're going to get some sort of surprises. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Cesaro. Um, I thought he was the guy in the black balaclava and the black outfit who was pretending to be a cameraman all those weeks. It sort of looked his height. It sort of looked his build. So I'm, I'm not convinced that he's not already on the contract. So, you know, it, it could sort of make sense. It, it, it might be all right. But I don't see Cesaro as MJF's heater. I mean... You know, I, that way I also, he doesn't have to talk much either, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it just does. I mean, Cesaro's like a good guy. I, I, I just think people would cheer him too much. I mean, I don't think you want that dynamic where somebody's cheering for the heater. They already want to cheer for the heel on this. I mean, I could, and I think, listen, I know this is not how Tony Khan's mind works, but my mind works that if you're going to have run-ins during Double or Nothing, they should be New Japan guys because that's you have another pay-per-view okay. coming up. In a month. And yes, it's an attraction. And yes, you sold out tickets. But have you sold pay-per-view buys? Has the more casual audience? I mean, we know a lot of people pretend to watch AW. As much as we made fun of Jeff Cobb and, well, really more of the great Ocon before, let's be frank. Nobody knew who the great Ocon was. That was most people's 
first exposure to the great Okan, including mine. And I'm pretty sure I've seen pictures of him before and just forgot who he was. Now I know who Jeff Cobb is. I know Jeff Cobb is dating back to Lucha Underground. Not before. Um, but I'm not sure everyone there knew who Jeff Cobb was. I mean, the you know, the, the crowd was sort of excited, but it wasn't like a pump debut kind of thing. It wasn't like a Brian Danielson debut. It wasn't an Adam Cole debut. I mean, it wasn't the type of excitement you got, you know, that that I don't know. I maybe I'd have to go back and see it again, but it didn't seem to be like, you know, a gigantic pop. It was kind of like, ah, what shit is this? What fuck what fucker is this? Oh yeah, okay, great. Um <laughs> And then they saw how they did. But yeah, I think, you know, you got to build Forbidden Door a little bit, create some stories like they're doing. Like, listen, I don't need to see Rapongi Vice ever again. They hold no nostalgia for me, but it sort of makes sense with a New Japan crossover and AW crossover. You have Rapongi Vice, you have the Empire as their tag team champions, and then you have um, the uh, FTR with their Ring of Honor and AAA championships. And all of it is, you know, sort of on the line or at stake in some way, shape, or form on this card. That makes sense. So they should have, you know, to build the matches for that. Because I'm not sure if it's going to be able to be done on TV consistently. I'm not sure it should. I mean, AEW still has to plan for its own stuff going forward. They might have a trios tournament coming up. Who knows? Um, and after a pay-per-view, you have to reset. You have to create your new stories for your show. I mean, one of the things about Tony Khan is he doesn't necessarily, I mean, I know he says he does, but I don't think he necessarily plans that far ahead. I, I think that he very much enjoys he can get away with doing exhibition matches and tournaments and, you know, brass rings and things like that, you know, and call that booking. Um, and, you know, it seems to satisfy his lines. Anyway, long way to say, I think MJF loses. Wardlow has to win. He gets a contract. He's free. Whether he, you know, whether it's because Sean Spears bungles things up and somehow Wardlow gets the ring to protect MJF, that's fine. That That, that is actually my predicted booking that, that Sean Spears tries to interfere. He bungles it up. Wardlow gets the ring from him, hits MJF with his own ring. Ref doesn't see it and he gets the win and Wardlow's free. Page versus Punk, said it a million times. CM Punk absolutely should win this match. He should be the face of AEW. He should be the champion. I don't think Tony Khan sees it this way. I think he's being stubborn. I think this. I think his guy is Adam Page, and I think that he might turn Adam Page heel, even if he thinks you know, like all the best villains think they're the heroes. Even if he thinks he's the hero, he's defending the honor of AW again. Why? But I think that that's what happens. I think that uh, Adam Page retains his title. We then have Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Does anybody think this title is going to switch hands? I'm not one of them. If you are, let me know. Thunder Rosa wins. Jay Cargill versus Anna Jay, another match. Why? You know, this was just thrown together. Obviously, they want to have something close to equal time or at least more more than one women's match on the card. Or, you know, I guess there'll be three technically. So, yeah, Anna Jay is not going to win. They're going to make her look good. That's unnecessary. Jade should be destroying her. Maybe there'll even be interference. Who knows from the baddies? But Jay Cargill's winning it. She shouldn't need any help. Jade retains. Jericho Appreciation Society versus... Five guys and fries. Um, <laughs> I don't really understand this alliance. I mean, I do understand it, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't care who wins. There's no stakes here. I, you know, it it doesn't matter. You have one faction that's sort of new, that's heels. The heels should lose something like this. You have another faction, but they're not really a faction. You got Santana and Ortiz that, that you'd like to see them turn and, and get a harder edge, but Jericho betrayed them. So that, that shouldn't happen. It wouldn't make any sense. You tease some dissension between Eddie Kingston and, and Brian Danielson two weeks ago, but not this week. Um, so, you know, so that loses heat and that doesn't really 
seemed to fit in. You had Moxley and, and Eddie Kingston trying to work as a unit. That match got a little sloppy. Um, I think, but this match is something where the faces win. I think there's no, you know, it doesn't matter. Jericho is untouchable and nobody cares about the other four guys. So, and even if, so, and by the way, folks, I know when I say nobody that there are people who care. When I say nobody, I mean like 95 out of 100 people don't care. Some of you are there, Daniel Garcia is a future star. Uh, agree to disagree, but all right, I get it. Some people <laughs> do care nominally about them, but 2.0 or Ever Rise or whatever they call themselves these days, they're, you know, they're comedy and seriously, no one cares about J.K. Hagar. More people are interested in his wife. Um, so I'm going to go with the five guys at Fry's winning. Then we have Jurassic Express versus Team Taz, where Taz is rarely around, and Swerve and Lee for the tag team titles. I think everyone agrees it's time for Jurassic Express to lose those titles. Probably going to be some story with, you know, Edge and Jungle Boy not exactly getting along here, whether there's an actual turn at the pay-per-view. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I would probably hold off on that for another week or so, let it burn a little bit. Um, nevertheless, I don't think they're going to reward the guys who have been there for a longer time in, in, in the form of T's, Team Taz or Starks and Hobbs. I know a lot of people think they should. I don't necessarily disagree with you. But I don't think they hired Swerve and Keith Lee not to not – to, achieve some prominence when they, you know, a lot of people think they were robbed out of prominence recently by being released. Also, it helps protect Keith Lee. If in fact he has slowed down, I'm, I'm not, I'm not on that parade just yet that, that he slowed down and he doesn't look great. I, I think he looks sort of the same as he did before. I mean, in the ring, yeah, he's a little bit bigger, but you know, I think Swerve looks great. So I think Swerve and Keith Lee are your new, your new champions. Um, the Bucks versus the Hardys. I guess a dream match for some. As Jimmy will point out to you many times, this match happened on the Indies. It happened on a Ring of Honor pay-per-view about five years ago. It's a good match. These guys are all older. They're all banged up. All of them, all four of them are banged up. Two of them really banged up. I think that the Bucks win this due to some sort of chicanery. And I swear to you, this is if, if once you hear it, you don't agree with me that it's true. This is going to culminate in a tables, ladders, and chairs match where it's going to be move for move, like the Hardys versus Edge and Christian. Uh, 100%. It's going to be homage, and the Hardys will get their win back. So That's whether exactly it's because, what we said. Whether it's Nakazawa or Brandon Cutler or someone else, Adam Cole, whether Jay White pops in or not and, and causes, I don't know, or whether it's you know just, just the Bucks being the Bucks, I think that's going to happen. I think there will be some sort of chicanery, but uh, it's leading to that. All right, the Owen Hart tournament already told you I think Adam Cole is going to win. That's, you know, Joe's been having the, the shoulder injury. Kyle O'Reilly exploited it. I mean, that match told a good story. I don't. Everyone knows I don't love Kyle O'Reilly, but that was the right match. The little man, he's got a strike. He got to hit the weakened shoulder. So Joe's shoulder being his, his weakness in this, that's something Adam Cole can exploit. He learned it from Kyle O'Reilly and his own scouting. You know, maybe get some other support, whatever the case may be, but Adam Cole wins. In the female side of it, I think it's going to be Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho. I don't think Chris Statlander is going to be put in this. There's like zero star appeal there. Um, I know everyone thinks this is set up for Britt and Adam Cole to win. I've heard the same rumors you have about Britt and Tony Khan. No comment on any of it. I can't tell you any of you are wrong about any of it. I just have a feeling that, that Ruby Soho is going to win. Why? Because former WWE people get generally get pushed above AEW people. And I think that, you know, Brit's story is more about 
Jamie Hayter falling out of favor with her or vice versa. And then that'll be a little thing. And then maybe that'll bring Tony Storm back into it. But I think that Ruby Soho finally gets some accolade in AEW. Whether it's deserved or not, I don't know. I mean, I've, I always said that her debut was a little bit of a poof and it's gotten worse since then that nobody really cares. Nobody cared then, nobody cares now. But I, I think that I think this is for her. If I'm wrong, I wouldn't be shocked either. The buy-in is Hookhausen versus Nice and Smart Mark uh, Sterling. Hookhausen's winning. Doesn't you know, doesn't matter. There should be some funny comedy spots in here that that you know should be you know as Chris says, wrestle crap, and it'll probably be good wrestle crap. I think that's the whole card as we know it. Those are my double or nothing predictions. Um, let us know what you think about that quickly. Ratings before we say goodbye. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, I don't think it aired last Thursday because I can't find the rec the ratings anywhere. I think it was preempted by the Super Juniors. I don't think they want to, to compete with themselves. Rampage this past week uh, did 410,000. That was up for 60,000. It was, again, at that 5.30 time slot or 6.30. Yeah, 5.30. This week it's at 6.30 p.m. So if you like Rampage, watch Rampage. It's at 6.30 or set your DVR. SmackDown went up by 198,000, but still only to 2.09 one million i guess acknowledge him you know Usos. i don't know it wasn't a bad show but you know i don't i don't think the 2.1 million is that big a feat for smackdown i know they had the same competition as everybody else but still smackdown should be doing 2.3s and and trying to build up uh raw went down by four thousand to 1.732 uh we already talked about the cody clock and how it's been a fail two weeks in a row so that means that WWE will double down. I'll probably do a Cody clock for nine and a Cody clock for 10. NXT dropped 50,000 viewers to 551,000. Last week, I told you NXT was terrible. This week wasn't as terrible, but it was mess. So well-deserved that loss of, of 50,000. Uh, Dynamite went up 7,000 to 929,000. So, okay. I mean, up is up. Nothing incredible there. MLW last three weeks, 96,000, 88,000, 67,000. NWA this week, 55,000, 75,000, 126,000. By the way, these YouTube numbers are from yesterday. Uh, yesterday, probably mid-afternoon, Eastern time. Elevation, 203,000, 256,000, 281,000. Dark, 196,000. Two weeks ago, 339,000, which is the high point. It used to be a low point. And two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, 284,000. Um New Japan Strong this week, 7,600. Two weeks ago or a week ago, 13,000. And two weeks ago, 12,000. I mean, granted, they're, they're wow. on seven months delay, but they are they had finally crossed over that 10,000 for three weeks in a row, given it would, even though it would take about three weeks to get there, but now back down to 7,600. So we'll see. Um, I would say overall, most of wrestling is sort of either the same or nominally down. I think the world sort of feels like me. It sort of like feels like we're slogging. So hopefully this semi-solo show wasn't too terrible. Uh, hopefully you don't miss Steve too much. If you do, let us know. Let him know. At Hammerlock HO on Twitter. At IcarusFellMD is my Twitter. Steve's is at Big Daddy Cool. Um, check us out uh, wherever you can find podcasts. Check out my other podcasts, Non-Wrestling Garden of Doom. And Garden Views. Um, just, uh, I think we just dropped episode 102 on uh, Garden of Doom. So fun for that. Uh, both shows have Facebook pages. 
By the way, Garden Views and Garden of Doom are on the same feed. So when I say both shows, I mean Hammerlock Hangover and Garden of Doom. And we will check on Steve this week. I, I left him alone this week. Uh, I'm going to check on him, see how he's doing, see uh, if he'll be back next week or if I'm doing this again semi-solo. Thank you, Jimmy, for being my producer and, and sort of co-host. Um, no problem, man, any time. Yeah, this, this, this is only like my second solo show in Hammerlock Hangover. I did a couple for Garden of the Doom. Don't really love doing solo shows. So we'll see how this is received uh, next week. Maybe Jimmy will come back, maybe in the same capacity, but maybe it'll be more of a two-person show, sort of like Hammerlock Hangover is. Just that Jimmy and I do so many shows together that we'll be saying the same thing. And it's like, we bicker too, but it's a different kind of bickering. Like it's a different kind of goofing around than me and Steve. So I don't know if it would just be too much of the same. So anyway, don't have to worry about that for about a week. Thanks for tuning in. I have a one o'clock appointment. It's 12.58. So I actually have to work for a living. So everyone... Remember, live is evil spelled backwards and stay evil, my friends. <laughs> stay Jimmy, evil. you want to tell the folks anything? Well, no, other than the please like and subscribe at the pwcnetwork.podbean.com where you can find not just my shows, but Jeff's also. And uh, if you want to follow me, you can on Twitter at the PWC Network and at DJ Mass Effects. But most importantly, like and subscribe at www.spreaker.com slash hammerlockhangover where you can find this great show and Jeff's other shows right here on you know, I just realized, The Hammerlock Hangover. I don't have an appointment until one thirty, so we could talk for another half hour. Oh. No, I'm not going to do that to you folks. <laughs> Two hours, good enough. Um, you know, as I get more handy at live chat, and if we get this more organized, we'll try and do it at night where maybe there's a larger audience, and maybe we'll do, we'll do more questions, you know, sort of as I get my C-feet, you know, figuring out how to juggle that and – you know, the questions based on what I'm talking about at the time, or maybe hold the questions till the end or whatever it is. If I do it long enough, I'll figure it out to become, uh, you know, mildly adequate. I have a, what, one of my uh, guests on Garden of Doom has been on three times. Uh, she goes by C the Superior. So, you know, I broadcasting 101, I never say my name on Garden of Doom, which is a mistake. You, you need to always say your name. Uh, so I, I introduced myself this time as Jeff the basically adequate or or the or, or the more or less competent something like that so so we'll get to more or less competent with fielding questions and handling live chat and, and things like that but thank you for your patience hope you enjoyed it hope you found it informative hope you heard some things that are going to make you pull your hair out those duke hudson fans out there let me hear from you um and sangha mania running wild you, you heard it here first sangha 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 <laughs> Stable, my friends. We're done. We out.